It is wonderful to see you all today. I pray that this morning is a wonderful blessing for you. We have some things that we should uh, have on our minds this morning. Most specifically, we should be thinking about the Coghlan family. You'll notice that there is something in the bulletin about Mike and Trina and their situation. Uh, Trina has been diagnosed with breast cancer. And while uh, that word is never a good word, we never like to hear it. At the same time, we have confidence that God is going to be working in her life. Uh, There are treatments, of course, available in our society for such things. And we trust that God is going to use those. If he chooses not to just heal outright Trina's cancer, then we choose or that we uh, believe that he will uh, use the means that are available to us medically to treat her breast cancer. And uh, at this point, it does appear to be something that can be treated. And so we are just wanting to ask God to bless the Coghlan family for sure. And so I'd love it if you would pray with me right now. Lord, our prayers go up to you today asking your blessing on Mike and Trina and their family. She is such a young woman, Father. Uh, This is just so challenging for them. It's something that we never want to see. Sometimes, Father, the, the things that you've created in our world, various freedoms and opportunities for things to come together the way they do mean that there are bad things that happen. And so we pray this morning that this bad thing that is happening, that you would heal this. And we know God, we believe, we put our our trust in you, we put Trina in your hands, and we believe that you can heal her. You can do that by your direct intervention. You could do it right now, and we pray that you would. And we pray that, God, with faith that you would heal her right now. Father, if you choose to do it another way, then we put her at your mercy. And Father, we just pray that you would heal Trina's body of the cancer that is in her. Use every medical means to do so if you choose not to do it immediately now in a direct way. Father, we pray special blessings on their family. Give them peace and comfort and help them to continue to devote themselves completely to you. We, the things that Michael and Trina have written about this situation show their faith in you. And we'd ask your blessings that that faith would just continue undaunted in the face of her illness. Thank you, God, for watching over her. We put her in your hands. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. Today, we are talking in this portion of our service about one of the most relevant and lively topics that we ever discuss about our faith in the world today. The question is, what do we as followers of Jesus do with other religions? And what should they do with us? And let me say from the outset that this is is not easy. This is not an easy thing uh, to address. It's not an easy thing to think through. And it certainly isn't even an easy thing for you to have to listen to. And I recognize that. This is not easy. So I'm asking you to hang in there today. Given the questions that get raised all the time, even by Christians, it would be totally inappropriate for me to just ignore this. For me to kind of walk past it and say the question of other religions and the questions about faithfulness to Jesus and his exclusive claims about who he was and is, 
Like these are things that we just can't ignore, it seems to me. And so we're going to deal with it this morning. But here's my biggest problem. It's like this. This is a styrofoam cup. This on the screen is a styrofoam cup. It's just two different ways of looking at the same thing. Like I could ask you, what's a styrofoam cup? And you'd say, well, it's that white thing in your hands. You can break it. It's like foam. It, uh, it floats in the water. It holds things. It can really actually insulate things and hold things warm or cold. That's what a styrofoam cup is. And most of you, that's all you care about. You just want to know whether or not it's a styrofoam cup and what it does. Pretty easy, pretty simplistic answer. But if I was to say to Charles, Charles, tell me about polystyrene. Charles would look at this and he would go, that's child's play. Okay, because he's a chemical engineer. He's a chemist. He knows about these things. He looks at this and he thinks, oh, Kelly, we can make it so much more complicated than that. But I look at it and I think that's plenty complicated for me. I don't need anything more complicated than that. But when we talk about the question of other religions in relation to our religion, it's kind of like dealing with that. Because some of you are up here asking questions, deep questions, about our faith and its relationship to other faiths. Others of you are like saying, you know what, just tell me that Jesus is Lord and that's all I want to know. We don't need to get into anything else. And I totally get that. And so this is not an easy thing for me to do to try and pacify all of you, to hit you between the eyes, every one of you, on the question this morning. That's not just that easy to do. Now, I am going to go a little bit fast here through some really convoluted stuff. And so I want to to commend to you our podcasts. And I want to say to you, go back and listen to the podcast from this morning. And especially this one, because in the first service, we were kind of pressed for time. We did a baby dedication this morning. And like, you'll think I'm going a bit fast through it now. I went really fast in the first service. And so listen to the podcast. And if if there's two up there, sometimes Miles puts two podcasts up. Really listen to this one again, because the first one was so fast. Like you may, you may just miss it entirely. Okay. But that's the dilemma we're in. Now, let me start this way. And I think, I think the majority of you would agree with this. Like even if you have big questions about the exclusivity of Christianity, here's something I think that you would agree with. And that is, historically, Christianity has taken an exclusivist stance. According to Christianity, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one has true relationship with God except through Jesus as the person of, and therefore the revelation of God. And it seems to me that given the things that are written in the scriptures, in the Bible, there is no other route available to somebody who says that they are a Christian and believe these things written in the Bible, that they've heard the gospel and they believe the things written in the Bible about who Jesus is. If you think those are things are true, if you think that Jesus is, for example, the son of God, If you think that Jesus is the Lord, if you think that Jesus is the master, if you think that Jesus is the creator, if you think that Jesus is the savior, if you think that Jesus is the one of the persons, the three divine persons 
who are comprising God, if you think and believe all these things, then it seems perfectly reasonable to me that you would hold the view that he is the one true exclusive revelation of God and the only means by which we can know the divine. Like if you believe all those things, if you believe all those things written about Jesus in the scriptures, then that is totally a rational idea to say, you know what? Jesus is exclusively the truth about God. But here's the rub. You can, of course, deny all that. You can simply say, I don't believe those things to be true. You can simply read the Bible and say, you know what? There's some things here that Jesus said about himself that I just don't believe are true. Or I don't believe he said them. Like there's lots of things that you can do to say, I simply disagree with this. You can say that he was a great teacher. You can say that his followers invented or wrongly imagined all kinds of things about him. You can deny the existence of God. You can deny that there is anything supernatural. And that, and that would pretty much settle the issue about who Jesus is. So you can, and it's within the realm of intellectual consistency and integrity, you can intellectually with consistency deny all the things that are said in the Bible, things that are said about Jesus and God, and still think that Jesus is actually a great teacher. For example, if Jesus did not say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, or if Thomas did not say, my Lord and my God, then Jesus could still be a great teacher, even if those things are not true. That's a possibility. Well, here's something I think you can't do. Like, I think that intellectually you can, in fact, think, well, Jesus is a good teacher, but he's not the Son of God. Here's what you can't do, it seems to me, within the bounds of intellectual consistency. You can't believe all the things said about Jesus in the Bible, and then also believe all the things that are said about Muhammad in the Quran. You can't believe all the things said in the Bible about Jesus, and then believe all the things that are said in the Bhagavad Gita, which is a Hindu writing, or the Upanishads, which is a Hindu writing. Like, you can't believe all that, and also believe what Jesus says about himself in the New Testament. You can't believe all the things said in the Bible about Jesus, and then believe all the things that are said in the Lotus Sutra, which is a Buddhist writing. You can't believe all the things that are said about Jesus in the Bible, and then also believe all the things that are said in Tibetan Buddhism about the Dalai Lama. And that's for a very simple reason. It's because Jesus makes claims about himself in the New Testament, and others make claims about him that are exclusive kind of claims. And at the same time, those other writings, for example, the Quran, make exclusive kinds of claims about who Muhammad is. And the fact is, is that Jesus himself was no religious pluralist. And Muhammad was not a religious pluralist. The Buddha was not a religious pluralist. If you ask, if Muhammad was here and I said to him, Muhammad, tell me what the truth is. He would say, 
I'm the prophet. God has revealed himself to me. It started in a cave. Over 23 years, he revealed himself to me, and there were truths that came to me. And I understand these truths, and I've communicated them now in the Quran, word for word. And in fact, in the Arabic is exactly how God told me to put this in there. And if you violate the Arabic that's in there, you violate the truth of these things. Muhammad would say that. But if Muhammad says those things, I couldn't then believe everything that he says and at the same time believe everything that's in the Bible about what Jesus said or even what the Bible says about Jesus. I can't believe the Tao Te Ching, which is a Chinese writing about religious kinds of things, and then also believe everything that is said about Jesus. It just doesn't work. It doesn't cohere rationally for me to believe that all these things are true. And let me show you what I mean. This is not hard to do. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That seems to me an exclusivistic kind of claim. After, By the way, after the first service, I, this is the only quote that I actually have from Jesus himself. And after the first service, somebody said, well, aren't there lots of other things that Jesus said that are pretty exclusivistic that you could have put up there? And I said, well, yeah, there are. I could have put tons. Jesus makes lots of claims about himself which are very exclusivistic. There's no doubt in Jesus' mind, according to the New Testament, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody else comes to the Father except through him, period. Now, that's not the only kind of claim that's made. Here's another claim. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's an exclusivistic kind of claim that Jesus makes. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all men. That is an exclusive, it seems to me, kind of claim. And here's one that, I, I, I mean, it just seems so exclusive. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, you have every intellectual right to challenge whether or not any of those things that are recorded in the New Testament are true. And in fact, we get challenged all the time in Christianity about these very things. But it doesn't seem to me like there's much doubt about the claim that's made. In the same way that if I read the Quran, or if I read the Hadith, or if I read the Lotus Sutra, or if I read the Upanishads, or I read the Bhagavad Gita, which I've done, by the way, if I read those things, there are claims made in those writings that I would say would exclude the truth of what Jesus is saying if they are true. Like it seems to me impossible to hold all those things as being absolutely true. I could say to you, it's absolutely freezing outside because the temperature is minus 25. And you said to me, no, it's actually really warm outside today. It's supposed to be about 12. Well, we're not both right. It's not possible. Now, it might be that I could go outside and feel warm when you feel cold or vice versa, But it's not going to be 12 and minus 25 at the same time. 
And it seems to me that there's something like that that's happening with religions when there are claims made by Jesus and by others about exclusivity and about what truth is. Well, there are nonetheless, as you know, lots of challenges that come to us all the time when it comes to Christianity and living in our place in the world. And I'm not saying that these challenges can't be overcome, but there are, in fact, real challenges. And I think we have to be honest about the challenges that face us when it comes to our faith in relationship to other faiths. And so let me just put up some of these challenges. And I think these are real. Like these are not just, I'm not just building some kind of straw man here and saying, well, here's a, here's a challenge, but oh, I, got, I got the answer to that. And here's a challenge, but oh, I got the answer to that. It's not like that. I, I really feel like these are sincere challenges that we have to recognize as being challenges. Like, for example, we all have the capacity to be wrong about whatever cannot be proved, and we cannot prove the truth claims made by Christianity. That seems to me to be true. It's possible, intellectually, it's rationally possible, logically possible, that I'm absolutely wrong about who Jesus is. Now, faith-wise, I would say, I'm not wrong at all. And if I believe the Bible to be true, then I can't say that I'm wrong. But when it comes to just being wrong, I don't know anybody in the room who has a corner on never being wrong. Only the Fonz had that possibility, okay? He couldn't even say it. And for those of you who are far younger than me or from another culture and you're thinking, who is the Fonz? Well, look it up. The Fonz didn't think that he was wrong. But he's the only one I know. And so I have the capacity, the ability to be wrong. And I think we have to take that seriously. We shouldn't just ignore it. We can, I think, offer evidence for the truth of our faith. And actually, I think the evidence points toward the truth of our faith. But in the end, as Christians, we are believers, not fact provers when it comes to our faith. We even call it a faith. And we have the natural intellectual right to say that we believe. But human beings have the ability to be wrong They are wrong all the time. They are deceived all the time. And it is intellectually possible, it's reasonable, that we could all be deceived. I think we have to admit that. Here's another thing. In much of our global postmodern world, especially in Western eyes, being exclusive about just about any truth is frowned upon. And this is just a a challenge that we have to face. And it actually makes a great deal of sense to a point. Because everybody knows that everything that we experience, see, hear, whatever, we have to experience and see all of that through our own minds, through our own sensory perception, through our own abilities. And it is very possible that we have the ability to simply be wrong or to be predisposed to some kind of belief. And the only reason I believe things is because that's what I was taught when I was a kid. That was my filter. And so these things that we sometimes claim to be true, we have to at least recognize the possibility that I believe the things I do because I grew up in the United States or Canada, because I grew up in a Christian culture. 
Those are possibilities for me thinking true what I think is true. And the world recognizes that and they just recognize that we can't say, well, it's just true because I believe it. It just doesn't work. This is a legitimate challenge that we have to face. Here's a third thing. Claiming that Jesus is the way means that a lot of relatively good people, many of whom are religious, are mistaken. Since many religious and philosophical perspectives claim for themselves exclusivity, and we don't like the fact that something negative can be said of these good people. And that's a telling fact. In fact, we hear this all the time. Like people say all the time, well, you know, the Muslims are just good people. And if they're good people, then their position has to be as defensible as ours. That's a standard claim in our world. Some of you know Mormons. I've never met a bad Mormon. Now, there are some Mormons who have many, many wives. I might question some integrity there. But in terms of the Mormons that I know, and I, my dad used to work uh, as a partner with a Mormon, and so I knew their family extremely well. And Owen Casper was a great man, a wonderful man in so many ways. I had to, expect, uh, had to respect Owen for who he was. And the fact that he was a good man, that says something. Now, I don't think it says everything. I know some really good Mormons. It doesn't mean that I believe that Jesus came to North America years before the Europeans got here and wandered around and showed himself to the natives. But that's the Mormon claim. I don't believe that the gold plates that were supposedly found underneath the rock in upstate New York in the 1800s bore out the truth. But the Mormons believe that. Well, they're good people, I don't believe the things that they say are true, but this at least has to be wrestled with. It's a claim that has to be thought about. Here's something else. Christians have not always represented Jesus well. Making it look as though he or the system of belief he founded is not worthy exclusively to be considered the truth. And that's just a fact. There are lots of nasty Christians. There are a lot of people who claim to be Christians who have done things even in the name of Christ that are reprehensible. And that's not hard to find in history or even in today's world. And so when I think about the Spanish Inquisition or I think about the Crusades, we've talked about this before, well, it only makes sense that somebody would say, what's up with that? What's the deal? How come these people were so evil? And it's a reasonable comment. We have to take that seriously. Saying that someone is right and someone else is wrong religiously, has come to be identified with a lack of love and graciousness and is typically identified with arrogance, discrimination, and judgment. Now, the fact is, that is unfair. It's unfair for somebody to say, I believe this, and therefore to be branded as being judgmental and harsh and unloving and all those things. But you know why they say those things about us? Because we have been that way. Because that's sometimes exactly who we are. And so the challenge that comes to us is a legitimate challenge. Sometimes there are Christians who've said to others in a very harsh, condemning, unloving kind of way, almost glad, you are going to hell. But they say it with such joy. They seem to be quite satisfied that they can say to others, you are lost forever. And I would say 
that that's a problem. That we haven't always treated others very well and that the challenge to our faith in that way is a legitimate kind of challenge. Christian claims about Jesus' violation of historical natural laws seem to many who grew up in a naturalistic culture to be absurd claims, meaning his claims to be the truth are also highly suspect. And the fact is, we've sometimes made some pretty ridiculous claims. Like, I don't believe that the world is 10,000 years old. Is it a possibility? I suppose it's a possibility, but I don't believe it. And sometimes we have made claims far more absurd than that. There was a long period of time when people said, the sun revolves around the earth. Christians taught that for a long time. Well, it's not true. We were wrong. And sometimes we need to recognize that we're wrong. That that, and it's a problem, actually, when we don't recognize something like that as being a problem and hold on to some really foolish things when really we should let them go because they actually make our Lord look pretty bad. And then, because Christians have claimed that every word of the Bible must be absolutely historically and literally true, and that the Bible possesses no contradictions, scientific conclusions and apparent contradictions in the Bible call into question the truth claims of Christianity. And people do this all the time. And what I would say is that sometimes, in some ways, we have been a bit unfair to God in the way that we have treated and taken the Scriptures. And we just need to study that out, I think, in a better way. And in the end, we might end up in a much better place because we have done better with the Bible uh, than we have sometimes in the past. We should actually, I think, take seriously some of the criticisms that people make about the Bible instead of just sweeping them under the rug and acting like they're not there or coming up with what I think are some pretty weak intellectual answers in response to those things. And in the end, I think that God will end up defending himself way better if we allow him to do it rather than us feeling as though we have to defend something that in some cases uh, our defenses don't work all that well. Well, I certainly can't tackle all this stuff today. Uh, How much time do we have left? Oh, yeah, we only got an hour left. Okay, Um, so we we can't tackle all this stuff today. But let me say a couple of other things, and then I'm going to make some points that I think are, are telling. And again, you can go listen to this on your own and see what you think. The first thing is this, and we've kind of said this already, but I just, I think it needs to be said again. Things that appeared to be lock solid truth have later proved to be mistaken. That has happened. Lots of times. And we have to take this seriously. This is something that we have all experienced. And so we have to at least take that claim or that possibility or that experience seriously. I don't think that answers a whole lot of things, but it's nonetheless true There are lots of things that we have discovered after time that what we believed was actually wrong. I think that has to be taken seriously because there's lots of people who will point that out to us, even if we don't. Number two, the bad attitudes and poor treatment of others by those who think they are right. You have experienced that too. And so have I. And because there are people who have experienced it at the hands of Christianity, it weakens 
our faith. Now, these two things, especially when it comes to something as significant as religion, make us wary of making exclusivistic truth claims and of accepting them when they're made. And I think that's the way the world kind of is today. At least these two things have caused people to say, wait a minute, we can't just believe on the surface everything that we're told. Now, if we're wrong about our faith, for example, the consequences, consequences are huge. And in so many cases, in so many other huge cases, we do find that there is fallibility. That human beings do make mistakes. And sometimes this is so consequential that we can't just ignore the possibility. If we're honest, we know that our ability to be wrong means that we can be wrong about our religion too. Or, even if we are right, we know enough about human nature to trust neither our fellow Christians, nor those whom we think are mistaken, nor even ourselves. Because in the name of being right, we and others have countless times allowed disagreements to escalate into prejudice, discrimination, war, and even torture in the name of religion. We've done that. And so we have to be careful. Now, all of that said, there are, at the very least, it seems to me, some exclusivistic claims that Jesus and his disciples make that we also have to take seriously. But I think we have to take it all with a certain kind of attitude. And so here's the first point in terms of attitude that I think we have to hold as we hold to some kind of exclusivistic claim. First, we have no responsibility to prove Jesus or the Bible true. None. In fact, we can't prove Christianity true. Instead, we have the role of believing Jesus and living well. This idea that Christians can somehow prove their way or prove others' way into belief, to my mind, simply does not hold. It just doesn't work. What God calls from us is not that we hold something because it's proved. That would be walking by sight. Instead, he says, I want you to believe. And that means walking by faith. Now, something that has to be accompanied with that is living well, because if we live well and say that we believe, the world will laugh at us. But if we live well and say that we believe, they may just listen. We need to believe, and then we need to live well. Second thing, we are Christians. We are followers of Christ. And being Christian is absolutely intellectually defensible. Sometimes in our world, we act like it's not. It's like we have to run away from the serious questions, the tough questions. Let's, let's skirt around this somehow. And we need to not skirt around the tough questions. And that's why even on a Sunday morning like today, I'm trying to deal with some stuff that's pretty serious. And, and actually saying some things I think that are a bit of a challenge to us and to our faith. But if we don't, if we don't take this really seriously then we just look pretty foolish in the eyes of all those who say, look, they're not even taking this seriously. We've got to take the question seriously. 
But we are followers of Christ. Being Christian is absolutely intellectually defensible. I can't prove it, but I have every natural and intellectual right to believe it. In fact, we could go into what belief is, but we do this all the time with all kinds of things that we believe that aren't proved to us. Thirdly, I can't find anything in the life of Jesus that makes me distrust his claims to be a revelation of God and, in fact, God himself. When I look at Jesus and I think about who he is, I'm compelled. He blows me away. The things that Jesus teaches and the apparent consistency with which he lived out the things that he taught blow me away. I've never seen anything like this. In fact, I would say there is nothing like this. That Jesus himself is exclusive if no, for no other reason than just what he said about himself and the way that he lived it out. We need to recognize that. I think we can't, if we can't find anything about Jesus uh, that makes me distrust him, then we're going to have to take seriously, I think, the claims that he makes. Now, I think I skipped over one here. Let me go back here. Yeah. I think this is true as well. Clearly, Jesus held a religiously exclusive position. So if you're going to be a believer in Jesus, you're going to have to take seriously the exclusive claim that he makes about himself. Now you can say, well, he was wrong. He was deceived. He was lying. You can say all kinds of things, but you can't say that he didn't believe this in my way of thinking. Everything I see about Jesus points in the direction of him thinking of himself as being the exclusive spokesperson and revelation of God. Jesus loved the people who did not see things the way he did. And maybe this is as powerful a message to the world as there is. In fact, Jesus specifically gave his ministry and his life to those who with ruthlessness did not accept him or his perspective. Jesus is on the cross, and he says, Forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. That's amazing to me. I've never heard anything like that. But I can't find in that or anything else that Jesus said or did any kind of any kind of claim with which I can that I can challenge and say well you know here he was immoral here he was unethical here he was unfair here he was unloving here he wasn't kind here he wasn't consistent I can't find that in the person of Jesus now somebody would say well what about the old testament Kelly have you ever read it I have read it and I have to say there are things about the old testament that make me very uncomfortable but it's a different sermon, so we're not going to talk about that today. I'm not trying to avoid the tough question there. We've dealt with that a bit in the past. We'll deal with it, I'm sure, in the future. Uh, and it's an issue that's real and has to be uh, not just ignored for sure. It is reasonable, rational, intellectually consistent to think that other religions are humanly originated attempts to know God. But to believe that God has revealed himself in Jesus. I actually believe this. I really think that the other religions in the world are attempts by people to somehow respond to what they know is out there. Romans chapter 1 says that people are without excuse. 
Why? Because they recognize that there's something out there. They recognize that there's something supernatural in the world. And my opinion is that the efforts that people make to do something with that supernatural sense turn into, in some cases, religious faiths. But I would say about Jesus that he is, in fact, the revelation and that others who are attempting to know something of God need to listen to the revelation that is Jesus. And there's nothing intellectually inconsistent about believing that. We can believe that other religions are there because somebody's trying to find their way to God and at the same time believe that we have actually the way to God that God has revealed to us in Jesus Christ. That is, in fact, intellectually defensible. One last thing, and aren't you thankful? If God has revealed himself through the world's religious systems, here's something I don't understand. I don't understand why the one God, the one force behind all reality, would offer to humankind such a confusing, inaccurate depiction of reality. And I say inaccurate and confusing because of what I said earlier about the exclusive claims. If Jesus makes exclusive claims and Muhammad makes exclusive claims and the Bhagavad Gita makes exclusive claims and the Lotus Sutra makes exclusive claims and the Tao Te Ching makes exclusive claims, and I think they do in every case, then if God is somehow revealing himself to us through all of those ways, then he has offered us a great deal of confusion. Because everybody thinks they're right and they have the truth. And I just don't see how they can all be true. And I don't think that God, this unitary oneness in the universe, would confuse us so royally. In fact, what I believe is that he gave us the truth, the revelation of Jesus Christ, who is a revelation of himself. And that that is ultimately the only way that a person can fully understand who God is, at least at the human level, because Jesus has revealed God to us. That's what I think. Now, you can listen to the podcast. I encourage you to do so. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot there. Drinking from a fire hose kind of thing. But I think there's something there in what we've talked about this morning that is compelling about the truthfulness of Christianity, if nothing else, allowing us to intellectually hold this position with integrity and to hold it feeling like we really have something that is true. Let's pray. God, there are, uh, there are people in the room today who ask these kinds of questions all the time. There are other people in the room today who never ask them. And we can look at these questions and think about them at one level and study ourselves until we're blue in the face and read a thousand books. There is another way to look at this where we read one book and we are convinced we've got the truth and need to read no others. And so, Father, we're all over the place this morning in terms of what we might think. 
God, I would just pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us that we might understand and know you as best we can. God, I believe. I believe that you are who you say you are in Scripture. I believe who Jesus is. I believe the claims that have been made about Jesus, that they're true. Father, I pray that you would help us to have this kind of faith, be compelled by the gospel to continue to believe and trust in you. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.